0: It's got a freaky Friday, a space for you to share those freaky coincidences and spooky stories. And we begin with Jeff today with a story involving a haunted Auckland suburb and Sue whose dream wasn't just a dream.
1: My name's Jeff, and I live in Napier, but I didn't always live in Napier. I used to live in a haunted little suburb of Auckland called Greyland and this is a story about a house I lived in that was haunted in Grey Lynn. So back in the day, not so long ago, not so so recent, we lived in the worst house in Grey Lynn and it was, it was a shitter, it really was. There were bees living in the wall and things were falling off and the light shades would fill up with rain when it was rainy and the landlords would come over every 15 to 20 years and do maintenance, religiously. It was it was an interesting place, but it was a block from Ponsonby Road. It was at the right end of Grey Lynn. It was surrounded by two, $3 million houses, and, and you know, it was cheap. It was affordable. Um, we had lots of interesting flatmates in there, some of them very dodgy and amusing, some of them not dodgy at all, but still amusing. It was a... It was a fun place to live, but there was something about the front door. So many times coming home late at night under the influence of alcohol or worse, we should say, you'd come home and there was a shape, this white, faint shape on the front doorstep which would immediately disappear as soon as you sort of clocked it fully. You could catch it in your peripheral, but as you looked at it straight away, it would just vanish. And, of course, we just put it down to, you know, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. These things happen. Everyone relax. But anyway, this this went on for years, and there'd be, sometimes there'd be odd noises. The flatmate major lift at the front would hear odd animal-like sounds and shrieks and things in the middle of the night, but there'd never be anything there. But it was always this, this whitish shape that would be there, and then it would disappear. And... uh The mystery wasn't solved for many years until one day we had guests over, and one of them had just been down to the dairy and bought a packet of tobacco. Now, for those of you that don't smoke, packets of tobacco are very, very expensive. And as this friend was walking up the front steps, they pulled something out of their pocket, and their packet of tobacco, their brand-new, expensive, unopened packet of tobacco, fell, bounced off the front steps and down in a gap under the house. And they were completely heartbroken because that was all the money they had in the world, basically. So despite us saying, don't go under the house, whatever you do, they went all the way around the house until they find a little access point, one of those little little things that you have to hammer open the bolt because it hasn't been used for a million years, and then crawl under the house through God knows what was under there. And we could hear them yelling, you know, it was like a Marco Polo, Marco Polo kind of thing. So they know they were headed the right way towards the front door. And we're at the front door encouraging them. And then they're getting closer and closer and closer until they're seemingly just under the front door. And that's when the screaming started. And uh, this friend completely freaked out because they saw something in the dark and just started freaking out and trying to get out of there. So we're trying to sort of say, no, 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 be cool, be cool, be cool, we'll come and save you, although none of us was actually going to go crawling into the house to save them. But eventually they got themselves together and they said, that's all right, I found the tobacco and I found something else. And then there was a couple of minutes where we heard crawling and crawling and crawling under the house and they came all the way back around the house and said, look what I found and what they had was a dead cat that was mummified. Because you know how cats, they do that thing where they know they're going to die and so they go somewhere nice and dry so they don't get all rotty and stuff in the dirt because they don't like that from back in the olden days. And they, they just go somewhere dry with this good airflow and they mummify themselves. And this cat had mummified itself and it was a white cat. I'm just saying, after that, no more noises no more apparitions on the doorstep, and we ended up burying it in the garden, but deep enough so that the neighbour's chickens couldn't dig it out and get some sort of chicken revenge. That's my Greyland haunted house
0: story. Hello, my name is Sue, and I live on a farm just out of Mangaweka, which is in the northern Manawatu hill country. And here is my Freaky Friday story. Many years ago, when my children were young, I'm now a great grandmother, I had a dream and woke suddenly at 6am convinced that someone close to me had died. In the dream, I was standing with the children looking out of the floor to ceiling windows of an upstairs room. I looked down on a formal garden area with white gravel paths lined with standard roses. It seemed very austere. Walking below were six men carrying a coffin on their shoulders. They were wearing black frock coats and top hats with black ribbons hanging down the back. It seemed very European. The children asked me, Mummy, what's happening? And I replied that someone had died. And then I woke up and I worried all day, thinking maybe an elderly relative had died. I got a call that evening that my cousin, the closest in age to me, was killed while flying a plane over Germany. He was in the RAF and was flying a Jaguar fighter plane, which malfunctioned. He could have ejected, but he stayed with the plane to pilot it away from a built-up area. He was killed at the equivalent of 6am our time. And that memory will stay with me forever. But wait, there's more, because after Sue told us that story, she shared a story she reckoned was even more freaky. When I was born, um, I was two months, over two months premature, and this was in 1944, so that's, you know, a long time ago. And my father was still in the Air Force, and he was... um, done, uh, we were in New Plymouth and he was down in um, Christchurch and my mother got eclampsia and so they rang my father and said, she's very, very ill, we can only save the, the mother or the baby um, and you have to make a choice <laughs> and so poor dad, what could he do? So of course he said the mother, so when I was born, I was so tiny, I weighed two pounds, um, Apparently they sort of put me in the rubbish, as it were. And then a nurse, a young nurse, heard me and heard this little cry, and she found me still alive. And they put me in an incubator, which was a very new thing in those days, which was just a crib with an oxygen tent on it. And she stayed with me for two days until I She knew that I would live, and they brought someone in to baptise me because with eclampsia, my mother had lost her memory. She didn't even know she'd had a baby, and she didn't know what, um, what my name, what she'd chosen, so this young nurse gave me a name. And the only reason I know this, because my mother never, I don't think she ever knew, actually, but when I had my first child, and this was right out in, the, in Mangaweka, um, there was a community nurse in Hunterville and she used to come and visit mothers and babies and things. And so she came and her name was Miss Jessie Summers and she said, I've been waiting to meet you ever since I saw you, you were on my list and I've been absolutely longing to see your baby. And I said, why? And she said, I saved your life. And she was the nurse, and she told me all about it. Thank you so much, Sue, and thanks, Jeff, before you. If you've been listening and you have your own Freaky Friday story to share, we'd love to hear it. Text the short version to 2101 or email me jessie at rnz.co.nz.